This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The Nation magazine, this is Start Making Sense, political talk without the boring parts. I'm John Wiener with a special bonus edition of our podcast. Michael Moore's new film, Fahrenheit 11.9, opens everywhere Friday, September 21st. It's a passionate warning against Trump and a call to arms. The filmmaker needs no introduction, so it's an honor and a pleasure to say, Michael Moore, welcome to the program. John, uh, thank you for having me on. You know, I remember... Months before Election Day, you went on Bill Maher's show and you said Trump was going to carry Michigan and Wisconsin. And Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania. I thought he is just trying to get people mobilized to work in this election. These are blue states. This is not going to happen. And then on election night, when they announced that Trump had carried Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, the first thing I thought of was Michael Moore knew something that the pollsters and the Hillary campaign and all the networks did not know. In, in, the, in the movie, you don't show that clip. You barely mention your prediction. You leave it to, you leave it to a Fox News to mention that prediction. Very modest on your part, but what was it that you knew? Well, I live in Michigan. I don't live in the bubble of uh, New York or, or Los Angeles. I didn't grow up in a city where the media, and I'm referring to New York, treated Donald Trump either as a joke or tabloid fodder, where they gave him an affectionate nickname many, many years ago, the Donald. Yeah. So they didn't do their job. And he got to continue breaking the law, uh, discriminating uh, against black families in, the, uh, in his housing units, treating women the way he treated them, go down the whole list. So I'm not of that world. And I come, I come from out in that flyover place. And I also, I also had the benefit of not really going to college. Um, I think <laughs> oh, now, as I've, <laughs> as I've gotten older, I've seen how that. <laughs> I used to feel really bad and ashamed about it that I only lasted a year at, at a uh, commuter campus at one building. The whole college was in one building in Flint, and I used to feel bad about that, um, mainly because I missed, I think, reading some of the great works that I eventually read, but uh, I didn't read them when I was 18 or 19. But I realize now that I, I wasn't, I somehow, I fell off the rails somewhere and, and I wasn't conditioned to think of things a certain way, read things a certain way. And, and even, and I'm talking about, you know, people who are on the left, liberals, you know, there's a big difference between growing up in Flint and growing up in Ann Arbor. 
And had I grown up just 60 miles to the south of Flint, um, I maybe would have seen things in an entirely different way, or in this case, not seen it yeah. coming. But but I live but I live in that other world. I live in a world where I watched The Apprentice. If we were if we were able to ask everybody listening to this right now, how many of you watch The Apprentice every week when Donald Trump was the host? I'm, I'm guessing not many. I didn't. No, no, of course, of course you didn't. You probably went to college. Yeah. And you, you probably, you probably lived a life where you were introduced to culture. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you're an enlightened, educated person. And so you don't waste your time with crap like that. Oh, shucks. That's, good. that's a good, that's a good, that's a, and that's a compliment. But I wasn't, but. I didn't grow up that way. I wasn't raised that way. So I, I watch crap. Like you know, The Apprentice and and The Bachelorette and stuff like that. So I I I watch what what I can say I guess sadly what the majority of my fellow Americans also watch. But here was the here was the beauty and the genius of The Apprentice, and I think this will help answer that question as to how did I know? Because I'm I'm not Cassandra, I'm not Karnak, you know, The Magnificent. Uh, I, 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 I I, I I am not going to make other predictions on this show with you. I just live I live I live in that other America and and what's so what's so great about the apprentice every week is that Trump who um you know that whole set was a total uh you know it's a set it was a creation it was to yeah. give you the impression that this was this was Trump Trump Tower and this is how he did things and uh I I know people that worked on the show they had the it took them literally, you know, days and weeks to get him to say his lines right. Just a simple line, you're fired. Mm. Because because think about this. He's never fired anybody. He's never said, you're fired. Because he's Donald Trump. He has some other henchmen That's right. do that job. He has Don Jr. or Eric do that job. He has never done that. In the same way when after he said what he said on the Billy Bush bus, he then went to get off the bus to meet the pretty woman that was standing out there. He mm-hmm. was just took the, he was taking his tic tacs uh, for. Yeah. And if you go back and you watch that tape, he takes the two steps down to the bus door. He's inside the bus, right? And he doesn't know how to get out, and so he thinks the way out is to knock on the door. He knocks <laughs> on the bus door as if that will make it open. And I looked at that and I thought. Mm-hmm. This guy's never ridden a bus. <laughs> I think you're he doesn't, he doesn't know actually doesn't literally know how to get off a bus, and it, and it's like so, so here's the, so so he's never fired anybody. They had to work with him. He had to get you know diction people and you know uh, acting uh, coaches to get him to say you're you're fired. But let me tell you the genius of the show. Once they got it together, and once they got him playing his role is that each week he would fire uh, the jerk uh, on the show. Yes. And America would watch that, and they would go, I know that jerk. He's in the next cubicle. Mm. I know that jerk. You know, he works on the line with me here. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that jerk or that D-bag at work. And there was something cathartic about watching Trump go, you're fired. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, because everybody wants to do that at work to that, to that a-hole who 
is sitting next to them or on the other side of the room. So anyway, so so the show had a real catharsis with the American public in the first season, the final episode, I think, uh, 44 million people watched. Uh, just to get an idea of that, like last month, I, I looked this up, the, the highest rated show that week was The Big Bang Theory on CBS. It's a sitcom. And it had like 16, 17 million viewers. Trump had 44 million wow. in that first year. And he became a beloved figure. And this is something that the Democrats, the Clinton campaign, and you know fellow liberals and lefties, because they didn't watch the show, didn't know, didn't understand. And, and I knew right away when he announced, I thought, wow. And I didn't know the, the real impetus of why he was announcing, which I describe in the film, because he found out uh, that NBC was paying a woman on another show more than him, Gwen Stefani, who was one of the stars of The Voice, another reality show, and he's a reality show. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. Not only somebody making more than him, but a woman? A woman? Outrageous. Making more than me? Outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> Listen, I need I'm to... Sorry. Let me ask. Yeah. I, I want to talk ahead, about the film... At the beginning, starts out on election night, Donald Trump wins. You ask the question, how the F did this happen? And the genius of the film, in my opinion, is that a documentary about Trump centers on Flint, and Trump really isn't the cause of Flint's troubles at all and had almost nothing to do with Flint. The real turning point of the film for me was Obama going to Flint and Obama asking to drink the water there. That is just a terrible moment that explains so much about how the F Trump got elected. Let's talk about that for a minute. Well, it's the, it was the most painful part of the film for me personally. Yeah. I love uh, President Obama. I voted for him twice. You know, so far to this point in my life, he's the best president, you know, that we've had. And, and and for those of you who are saying no, it was Jimmy Carter. You didn't live during Jimmy Carter. He was a very conservative Democrat. He's become a saint now, so yeah. I'll, I'll give him his due for that. But Jimmy Carter is president, um, not so much. But look, in the making of this film, I realized that, you know, as awful as, as Trump is, the day before Trump became president wasn't really a great day either for this country the tens of millions of people that we have living in poverty, the tens of millions of people who are functionally illiterate because of the conditions of our schools, you know, all of our issues in terms of uh, immigration and climate change, get down the whole list. We weren't in very good shape to begin with. Uh, he, of course, obviously uh, exacerbated it and made it much worse. And um, but, but to just think that it's just Trump or that he somehow fell out of the sky, that's not what happened. And and I thought I started just thinking about how how did we help to create Trump? Were we uh, were we uh, were we an unwitting Dr. Frankenstein? We collectively, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in terms of the American people, because because the Democratic Party, in ways that I'm sure that they regret, I hope they regret, or they didn't know that they were doing it at the time, but they were helping to pave the way for him. Yes, yeah, so I show in the film. Just to give you an idea, we all know that that more people vote in the general election than in the primary. Okay, everybody agrees with that. I think we know the data on that is right. correct. In the Democratic primary in Flint, 
2016, had a turnout much larger than the general a few months later in November. And nobody has bothered to look at that or ask why. And so I did, and I do in this film. And the reason isn't uh, because people, you know, just decided, well, there was no difference between Trump and Hillary. Nobody took that position. It was because the Democrats actively depressed the vote. First, when Hillary took the questions, she, they gave her the questions in advance in the Flint debate, the debate between her and Bernie on that stage in Flint. And when that was revealed a month or two later and the people of Flint, the mothers of the poison kids who had stood at the microphone, they asked a question that they thought that, number one, they had made up their own question, and she was hearing it for the first time when that wasn't the truth. And when they found out that it was rigged, the people, many people in Flint, and certainly the people that were there at the debate, felt used as props mm -hmm. by the Hillary campaign and by the Democratic Party. But the poisoning had already been going on at that point for two years. And before the debate, uh, President Obama um, had already started this using Flint as target practice and sending in the military to bomb buildings, to fire rocket-propelled uh, uh, grenades and missiles, and to blow up abandoned buildings, did not warn any of the neighbors in the neighborhoods. And people thought there was we were under some sort of terrorist attack, but it was just the U.S. military planning for future urban wars. Not urban wars, I'm sure, overseas, but urban wars here. And it was a pretty scary proposition. Nobody in the media covered it. Nobody would listen to anybody who was trying to tell them that this was going on. And and people who were liberals also didn't really want to hear it. And it gets when you see this movie in the theater, it gets very quiet because you don't want to think that this beloved president of ours would oversee or even know or approve of the Pentagon for 10 days sending in the army to Flint to help blow it up. And it it really... It depressed the vote. And after that, after that, and then the Hillary, the rigging of the debate. And then finally, at, one month after the debate, President Obama comes and drinks the water and says the water's fine when it wasn't fine. And everybody knew it was still poison and nobody could understand why he would do this. And it was like a knife in the heart to the people of Flint. But let me tell you something. It's not just Flint. It's all over this country where, where people feel that the party of the people had let them down. And in the movie, I, this is a painful thing to have to watch, but look, we're not going to get this, we're not going to fix this problem if we don't own up to our own mistakes. And, and I tell you, the balancing act that I'm having to do here, just in talking to you, I'm listening to myself talk to you about this, and I'm thinking, I need everybody to go out and vote on November 6th for whoever the Democrat is on the ballot. Like, it's that serious right now. We're, we're that close to the, to the edge of the cliff with Trump. In our democracy, everybody, everybody has to vote. Everybody has to bring five to ten people with them to the polls. We need a tsunami of voters, and they've got to vote for a Democrat. And the good news is, with that, is that we have so many good progressive Democrats on the ballot. There are so many women on the ballot in November, so many young people, so many Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the ballot. Yes. All across the country. And, and you need to look up and see who's running in, in your district. And you're going to be surprised. 
at how much better that Democratic candidate is on the ballot this November than the typical old party hacks that have been in the ballot in the past. And, and, and so I am both telling people that we have to do this differently if we are successful in get, getting rid of Trump. We have to approach this far differently than we ever have in the past. And we can no longer vote for people that uh, call themselves Democrats when, when, as I show in the film, Bill Clinton, everything from NAFTA uh, to his defense of marriage act, making it illegal to marry somebody that you love, uh, to mass incarceration of black people through drug laws, all those things that began with a Democrat and um, really weren't upended when another Democrat came into office in, in 2009. So let's all make that commitment, not let this happen again. Michael, I'm sorry we're out of time. Michael Moore's new film, Fahrenheit 11.9, opens tomorrow. It's a passionate warning against Trump and a call to arms. you got to see this movie. Michael Moore, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thanks, John. Thanks for the good work that you do. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.